Father God, thank you for the power of that song. Far more than the power of the song, Lord, we thank you that in the midst of the craziness of life, as ugly as it can be, as out of control as it can feel, and not even feel as it is, that God, you continue to give us glimpses of hope. And that in this moment, we can just be reminded that you are going to redeem all things. That, that you are in control of history past, history future, and, and history present. And that God, you alone are worthy of our worship. Lord, may, may the thoughts and intents of our heart this morning be acceptable in your sight. May the words of our worship be pleasing to you. And may our actions as we leave this place demonstrate the fact that we truly believe that Christ alone is worthy. It's in his good name I pray. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 2. So I finally found a choir that let me in. They tried to stick me in the tree, but didn't quite pull it off. Now, it has been, um, it's just, it's fun. It's, it's fun to get together with people who just want to sing and celebrate who Christ is. It's fun to, to do that with you. It's fun, I just, you know, you know kind of a behind-the-scenes thing for me. I, I don't regularly get to see you sing. I get to see the people who are in front of me and around me sing, but, but it's enjoyable to be and I'll use an old phrase, in the house of the Lord. It's enjoyable to be among family, singing and celebrating someone who's worthy of being sung to and celebrated. Uh, we're, we're continuing this morning in Luke chapter 2. I, I will say this. Um, so you know throughout Advent what we've been doing is having people come and share their testimonies um, and share with us what God's doing in their lives. Um, we, we had uh, um, a couple of things fall through for this morning's, and actually I'm going to use it as a way to remind you to pray. Um, because the folks who were going to shoot a video for us at the, um, um, weren't able to because their lives got very complicated. Uh, Mitch and Maddie are back down. You, when you've heard they were released from the hospital, they're back down in the hospital. Um, we're just continuing to pray for them. Um, we've been praying for the last five weeks now that God would um, allow those baby girls to continue to grow healthy and strong in Maddie and that Maddie's body would hold up. And, and God's answered that prayer to this point. Um, I think Wednesday's 30 weeks, right? Yeah, Wednesday's 30 weeks. We were, we were praying hard for 26. 30. Let's pray for 34. <laughs> so now keep praying for them. Um, it has been, it, it, and, and I think all of you can understand this. It's been amazing to watch them on this journey clinging to Christ as they cling to each other. But when you continue to get hopeful news and then bad news, it really, it gets discouraging. And so let's pray that God encourages heart. You know, let's pray right now. Father, would you encourage, even in this very moment, they don't even know we're talking about them. <laughs> so Lord, I pray just in this moment, something would happen that would just lift the spirits of Mitch and Maddie. Lord, I pray for baby B and baby C, that you would continue to give those little girls incredible strength and health as they grow. And Lord, we, we pray that you would allow them to not be born for a few more weeks. Um, we know you're the... 
great physician. We know that you know all and are over all, and so we're going to trust your plan. But God, we ask um, that, that you would continue to make it obvious to us what, what that is. So, so Lord, help us to encircle those two. Help us to hug on them, love on them. Help their Christmas um, to be one that is filled full of rem- reminders and remembering that, uh, that the greatest gift of Christmas uh, has already been given in your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in his good name I pray. Amen. All right. Sorry. That was not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. All right. Luke 8. Oh, not Luke 8. Luke 2. My bad. We're going to be here all day. <laughs> oh. You guys are familiar with this passage, but let me encourage you once again. As we read the passage, don't assume you know what gets said next. Make sure it's there. All right, we're not going to bust all the myths this week like we did last week. I didn't get any emails uh, concerned that I blew up a little child's nativity, so praise God for that. Um, but let's just, just keep it in mind. This is what God's Word says to us, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region... Shepherds were staying out in the fields, and they were keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. The angel said to them, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord, This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people who he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem. Let's see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. So today, as we uh, continue our Advent series, what we're going to be doing is, see, I'm like all out of sorts. I'm so used to being set up and and smooth in my transitions. You all know that, right? Ha! Uh, Today, we're going to be looking at peace. We're going to be looking at what what does it mean to, to have peace. And I think this story is really important for us to dwell on for a few minutes in order to understand the true message of Christmas peace, because I think many of us have a, um, in, um, a corporate message of peace. And I don't mean corporate like a large number, I mean corporate like a business. I think we've kind of, again, hijacked the message of the heavenly host and what the peace on earth actually means. And so we, we, we want to make sure that we look at the biblical understanding of that. So there's no greater place to understand what peace actually is than by looking at this story. You've got at the very beginning these shepherds who are out in their field and they're watching over their flocks. Now, you have to understand something about shepherds. Not the most popular of people. Uh, shepherds, I mean, just by the nature of their job, were regularly out in their field. They were filthy and dirty. They very rarely were able to get to their homes and get cleaned. So they, they didn't shower. Well, nobody really showered back then. They didn't bathe. They didn't bathe. They were always out working with the sheep. And the sheep, uh, any of you have sheep? 
Yeah, some of you do. Not the cleanliest of animal. Even their wonderful wool that you get fantastic socks. There's a little Christmas gift tip for you men. Get your wives wool socks. We'll more on that later. So, uh, <laughs> actually for me, more on that tomorrow, right? Amen, amen. Um, <laughs> sorry. The wool is dirty and oily at times. And so by dealing with the sheep regularly out in the field, they were, they were constantly covered. And then, then you have the, the, the natural order of their, their, their flocks, the, the natural way of life. And so they had to deliver uh, lambs regularly. Baby sheep were coming all the time, and so they'd be covered in blood. And that made them ceremonially unclean. So once you touch blood, then you weren't allowed to attend the temple or the synagogue for almost seven days. And so when a regular, regular rhythm and pattern of life, when it came to the shepherd, he would regularly come into contact with the blood of his sheep, which would not allow him to attend temple for at least seven days. And usually within seven days, it would happen again. So you had this cycle that was happening. So shepherds, not really church-going folk. And, and perhaps that's why um, when, you, when you hear some of the things that were written about shepherds back in the day, so, so let, me, let me throw this one for you. Um, this is a direct quote from the Mishnah, which is the written record of the oral law. And it says this, shepherds are incompetent. No one should ever feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who has fallen into a pit. There you go. But, no, but the funny part about that is what do you do when you walk by? You're like, hey, what do you do for a living? Oh, you're shepherds. See ya. I mean, the the reality is they had no respect for these people at all. And there was a couple of reasons for it. Not only because they didn't attend temple regularly because they were always unclean, but another reason is they were famous thieves. When you think about it in the open fields of, of shepherding, it was very difficult to determine your sheep from another sheep. Even more difficult because you could mark your sheep if you wanted to, but if that, those sheep had babies, well they should probably belong to you, but now this other shepherd has come in and taken them. And it was a regular practice for the shepherds to just let their flocks kind of come close to another flock and then snarf a few extra sheep for themselves. It was a common practice for them to go out and graze their, their, their sheep out in the fields and allow them to cross over the boundaries because the grass was greener in that boundary than, than it is in ours, so let's let them feed. And so people viewed shepherds as, as common thieves, and so they had no respect for them. So much so that the law was passed in the Mishnah to buy milk, wool, or a kid from a shepherd. Um, I should probably be clear. That's a baby goat, not a child. Um, to buy milk, wool, or a kid from a shepherd was forbidden on the assumption that it was stolen property. Uh, shepherds didn't get a fair shake here. Shepherds weren't allowed to be a witness in a court because everybody just assumed they would lie. So I don't know what part you were given in the children's Christmas play. But maybe somebody was trying to tell you a little something. So here you got the, the bad boys of the day doing their job, working in the fields, trying to make sure they kept watch over their flocks. And suddenly, I love the way it says it, an angel of the Lord stood before them. And, and, and it says that they were terrified. They literally feared a great fear. They were really, really scared. If you have a kindergartner tell a story and try to explain how terrified they were, that's the way the language reads here. They were so very, 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 very afraid. 
Why were they very, 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 very afraid? Well, if you have an angel of the Lord suddenly appear before you, and you're a shepherd, let's, there's a number of reasons. Let me walk through a few of them. If you're a shepherd, the, the, the assumption isn't that the, the, the person who suddenly appears before you is there to give you good news. Okay, so, so if you're a shepherd and suddenly somebody appears, your assumption is either A, they're going to steal something from you, or B, they're there to confront you about stealing something from them. So you got the, these bad guys of the day, these rough and tumble, heavy, hard workers, um, and, and then suddenly, bam, right before them, there's this angel, and you can almost picture them behind a rock smoking a cigarette, and the angel shows up, and they're like, <laughs> they're terrified. They're terrified because suddenly this angel shows up. They're terrified that this glory is not an insignificant thing. To have the glory surround them in an instant is nothing small. I mean, they, they, these people, these men, these shepherds, uh, had the job to be able to go on the fields at night and, and to settle down and to be able to listen for the slightest of noises that would have given them a clue that somebody was sneaking in to steal one of their sheep, the, the thing that brought them their livelihood. So they were very in tune to the, the quiet noises, and as they sat there in the field, watching over their sheep, resting, relaxing, maybe taking shifts as they watched the flock and, and took a nap, they would be completely in tune with the smallest of noises, and, and they would look to the heavens. I mean, you, you, this morning was amazing. This incredible full moon was coming down over there, and then the sun was rising over here at the same time, and there were stars in the middle. I mean, that's glory of God, isn't it? That's the glory. But that's a quiet glory. That's a very quiet glory. The glory in this story, not so quiet. The glory in this story is kind of like, <laughs> this happens to me all the time now. You get in your car, and some jokester has turned your volume up to full volume, it's five o'clock in the morning and you've snuck out of the house quietly. You're like, ooh, and it's so quiet out. And you're looking, you're beholding the stars. You're like, wow, this is amazing. And you get in, you close, ooh, it's a little chilly. And you turn on your car and it starts. And it doesn't hit right away. It takes a second. It's like, man. <laughs> and that glory is at full volume right away. That's the glory that happens here. This isn't that, that quiet, gentle glory of looking at the stars and the moon and, and examining God's creation. This is the full glory of God all at once. It's not insignificant. So they're terrified, not just because they're shepherds, not just because this glory is a big deal, but because they have just come face to face with an angel. We talked about it a few weeks ago. The, the angel is not something that we would look at and think, okay, there's tinkling bells, feathery wings, a nice halo and a harp, and bring, bring. good to see you this morning, sir. That is not an angel. Nowhere in Scripture do you find a person coming into contact with an angel and not having this response. Ah! Every time. You look at Revelation, and John, he turns around and he falls down. He's like, he's dead. That, that's the way we act when we come into contact with angels. Stop thinking about Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life. That's, that's not a biblical angel. Don't think about the pudgy little Valentine guy, Cupid. That's not an angel. Chances are very good that this angel was one of the heavenly hosts that appears a little later. And if you understand the heavenly host, what you understand is that is God's army. Those are soldiers. These are not people that you want showing up at your children's birthday party. So why are they terrified? They just came face to face 
with that kind of angel. Why are they terrified? When you come face to face with a divine, no matter how positive thinking you are, no matter how big a game you talk, every single one of us in that moment will come to the realization and understanding of how unholy we are. Just in that moment, like, oh, well, you're here to kill me. I got nothing. Why are the shepherds terrified? Shepherds are terrified because they come face to face with this angel, and it's amazing. The angel's message to them is, don't be afraid. Right. Don't be afraid. I give you news of, good news of great joy that'll be for all the people. Now again, when you come face to face with an angelic soldier like this, your first reaction and response should rightly be fear. But you don't expect a message of good news from here. Let me, let, me, let me paint it this way. So let's imagine for a moment that you've been taken hostage. You've been kidnapped. You are now in a dark, dank place underneath the house. Haven't seen people for two, three, four months even. You're eating just meager rations. It's, it's dark. You haven't seen light for, for weeks, almost months. And in the silence of the moment, your door gets kicked in by a SEAL team member. What's your first response? It's not like, oh good, you're here. Isn't it terror? Because you have no idea what's going on. You are hopeless and and helpless and you are trapped and you are held hostage and and what are you going to do to escape? And then suddenly the door comes crashing in and here's a dude in his full military garb holding an AR-15 and you're like, ah! And he says, don't be afraid. Right! Don't be afraid. I'm here to rescue you. And after some time, I think you probably acclimate and come to an understanding that the one who just busted down your door is, in fact, there to give you the greatest news that you have been looking for for weeks, even months. The good news of a, of a rescue. It's interesting that the angels say, or the, sorry, the angel says to the shepherds, don't be afraid. I think that even on this side of history, as we look at this proclamation that the Savior has been born in the city of David, I think even as we on this side of history look at that proclamation, we need to remember that that is good news. I think too many of us in our culture and even in our churches have missed out on how good that news is. We tend to, to, to default to, see, see, Christ came and now those of you who aren't in Christ, you are all going to be damned to hell. While that is true, the message that Jesus brought in his birth at the manger wasn't that bad news. It was the good news that all of creation had been longing for. It was the good news that, that John three sixteen beautiful verse, God so loved the world he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We know that one. We ignore verse 3, 7, chapter 3, 17. But God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. You're thinking wrong if you think the reason Jesus showed up was to show everybody else that you were right. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Jesus Christ would be saved. It's the best news that there is. So the good news that the angel declares to the shepherds is the good news for us today. We need to keep that in mind. The angel gives the shepherds two signs. You're going to find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. 
This should go without saying, but I'll say it anyway. The wrapped tightly in cloth really isn't that big of a sign. That would be like saying, okay, you are going to find the baby wearing a onesie. Right? Or you're going to find a baby wearing a diaper. Okay, pretty much everywhere you look, that's what you're going to find. And that, that was the point, is, is this baby is just like every other baby. God himself came like every other baby. The second sign is the one that's going to make you understand who it is. You're going to find this baby lying in a manger? Because as we talked about last week, everybody looks at a manger and thinks, I would love to take a nap there. No. So as the shepherds were to look for this little one, they're to look for a baby who's lying in a manger. And then this amazing thing happens in verse 13. So that, that finishes, and this is going to be the sign for you. And you're going to find this baby. And again, the word in, in verse 13, suddenly, 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 there was, with the one angel, a whole host, God's army, the full regiment shows up. Suddenly, it it pierces through the darkness. The glory of God shines even brighter. The the message that was declared by one angel was fine and good, but it was going to take a whole regiment to bring in this next point, which simply is praise. Look, 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 Look what they said in verse 14. Glory God in the highest heaven. As the angelic SEAL team is watching this unfold, they can't help but lay down their arms and shout at the top of their lungs, glory to God in the highest heaven. Do you understand how big this is? Do you understand how amazing this is? It was kind of like, so this morning I I came kind of early, but I stopped at Sheets this morning on my way to, to get some artificial sleep known as coffee, Um, and as I walked in, there were two individuals in sheets wearing Ravens jerseys this morning. Now, I know the Ravens don't play today. I know they played last night, but I don't know what happened last night until I saw those two guys who didn't know each other, but they were behaving like they were like long-lost friends. We won! We won! Can you believe it? We won! They couldn't keep it in, and I'm like, dude, it's so early in the morning. (laughs) But they're excited. They're praising God. Because that's what all of creation is created to do. And then you hear their message. Peace on earth to people that God favors. Peace on earth to people God favors. So what is peace? What, what is that peace? Is it a social peace? That's, that's what our culture has kind of grabbed, hasn't it? It's a social piece. So that's why we're all nice to each other at Christmas because it says goodwill to men, so let's be nice to each other. No, that's a misunderstanding of what it's saying. It's not a social piece. Is it a, is it a political piece? Is it the hope that there would be no more wars and no more natural disasters and no more uh, horrible things that happen? No, it's not that either. The, the problem with social peace and political peace is those things are relative at best. So, so your political peace that you feel in your heart completely depends on how you align with the people who are in charge right now. That, that, so it's going to change 
in two years, in four years, in six years, in eight years. It's just going to keep changing because political peace is relative at best. Social peace is relative at best. That, that completely depends upon how people think about you at this moment. The way you feel socially is really wrapped up in how nice people are to you. So it's not political peace. It's not social peace. It's not even this mysterious inner peace that we like to talk about as Christians. Oh, I have a peace about it. I, I have a peace about it. That, that just means that you're hungry or something. I'm not, I, the, the idea of this mysterious inner peace is, is I, I have this satisfied soul, this, this calmness, this relaxation that has settled in. But the problem with that being the peace that you long for is that peace is relative as well. Because that's totally wrapped up in your circumstances. Totally wrapped up in your circumstances, how peace-filled you feel. So it's not talking about a, a mysterious inner peace. It's not talking about a political peace. It's, it's not talking about a social peace. Well, well, Frank, you gave us good, uh, um, maybe not so good, it depends on who you ask, but you gave us examples of why you think that's true. But it's more than just any examples or illustrations that I can use. Jesus himself said he didn't come to bring that type of peace. Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 10 said he didn't come to bring peace. He came to bring a sword. Jesus himself said, listen, they hated me. They're going to hate you too. Philippians 1 tells us that following Christ and persecution go hand in hand. Jesus said he came to, I think it's uh, John or Luke, uh, John. We're going to say John chapter 12, but don't hold me to that. But he says, I came not, not to bring, I came to bring fire. I came to turn this thing upside down. Well, why would baby Jesus do that? Well, politically speaking, because what baby Jesus did was showed up and said, hey, you're not the boss. And socially speaking, he came in and said, so who, who, who are you allegiant to? The people you want to please or to Christ alone? And that inner peace, that inner peace doesn't exist because you're still not perfect. And so Romans 7 talks about the things I wish I could do are the things that I can't do, and the things I don't want to do are the things that I continue to do. Oh, my soul is just pouring outside of me. Everything I wish I could do, I can't do. The things I don't want to do, I continue to do. Oh, where is the salvation for my soul? That's, that's Paul's angst saying, there ain't no peace until the longing of this body and this soul collides with eternity standing before the throne of God. So it's not political, it's not social, it's not this mysterious inner peace, so what is this peace? I think you have to understand who it is that's declaring the peace. Who is the chosen deliverer of the good news? It's God's heavenly host, it's God's seal team, it's God's soldiers, and they show up and they say, peace on earth to people he favors. What this peace is, is a peace treaty between God and man. See, war has been raging between God and man for thousands of years. War has been raging since Adam and Eve made the decision to eat the fruit in the garden and by so doing, pushed, tried to push God off his throne. And you and I are the enemy. You and I are are warring against God. But Romans 3 tells us that there is none righteous, not even one. But Romans 3 tells us and says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are at war with God himself. And, and let, me, let me make a point, and I think this is really helpful. Um, 
I don't think all of us are warring against God because we have chosen to be evil. I really don't. I think that's one of the obstacles that comes in presenting our faith to an unbeliever or, or, to, or to an agnostic or to an atheist is that it's like, well, I never made the choice to be evil. I never made the, the choice to rebel against God. No, but I think what, what happens is you're making the choice that I just want to be happy. And so what I'm going to do in my, my search for happiness is I'm going to do whatever it takes to be happy. And, and I think one of the difficulties is logically, if you follow that out, I mean, there's a couple of ways that logic goes, not the least of which is what we hear in Proverbs. There's a way that seems right, but in the end, it's death. And so this, this happiness that you are searching for, what you're doing is trying to fix your immediate circumstances. And by pursuing happiness as your greatest good, you push God off his throne, and then you try to jump up in his seat. How's that going to go for you? That's the war. You keep pushing against an almighty, infinite, omnipotent God. And it may feel at times like you're making progress or possibly winning, but I assure you, you're not. You're fighting a war that you can never win. It's Christmas. You're not supposed to share bad news at Christmas, but you know what? Without the bad news, the good news doesn't seem as good. So every single one of us needs to understand that apart from Christ, we're swinging in the air trying to knock out a God we can't even touch. But there's hope. There's hope. And that's what this declaration from the heavenly host is. That's what this declaration of, of glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. The, the band of soldiers arrives in that night sky and their, their hope-filled declaration of peace is heard by the lowly, despised, and forgotten shepherds. You know, God, God deserves all the glory. And you receive peace. And this next phrase that has caused so much confusion over the years, goodwill to men is the way the King James translated it. And I think sometimes we're like, oh, so we're supposed to be nice to each other. It's peace on earth to people he favors. The idea is this, as the heavenly host stand there, oh, okay, this is like crazy. All right, all right, here we go. It's like third grade all again. Y'all remember third grade, right? No, neither do I. It's okay. So third grade. Now let's, 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 let's make it a little more specific. It's third grade girls. <laughs> Some of the parents are like, <laughs> third grade girls going to school. There's three little girls hanging out with each other. And then this, this third grade boy comes over and is like, punches one of the girls in the arm. Right? Now today, that would get him a lawsuit. But in my day, what would happen is the conversation that would ensue after that is this. The little boy would run away giggling. And the one girl would be like, ow. And the other two girls would look at her and go, <gasps> think he likes you. <laughs> right? What you're having right here. Peace on earth. People he favors. He likes you a lot. 
And as the angels are saying this, you also have to keep in mind that this is the message of hope and the message of good news that says the angels long to peer into. They want to be able to understand it. That's 1 Peter 1. They want to understand how, how a God who has been so greatly offended by a people who are so greatly offensive would reach out of heaven and go so far to rescue them. And the angel's declaration is, <laughs> He likes you. Peace on earth to those he favors. He favors you. He likes you. He's willing to do this for you. Can you imagine that? A God you have so greatly offended has gone so far to reach you. A God who's completely aware of your depravity, who's completely aware of your sinfulness, completely aware of your rebellion, responds to all those things with love, grace, and mercy. The angels themselves are in awe of how far God was willing to go to humble himself, humble himself to a manger, humble himself to a cross, humble himself to appear even to the shepherds. Now, many of you know that I, I love getting into the story. I love feeling the story. I love the drama of the story that is God's word. And, 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 I, and I think this, this video here will help you understand what it was like, perhaps just a little, that night, that the angel appeared to the shepherds. afraid? You don't be afraid. For I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, has been born this night in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find the babe wrapped in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. A baby? Glory to God in the highest! Peace on earth and goodwill toward men! Glory to God in the highest! Peace on earth and goodwill toward men! Glory to God in the highest! Peace on earth and goodwill toward men! Fear not. I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day 
in the city of David, a Savior. And his name is Christ the Lord. Do you see how far God was willing to come for you? Do you see how far God was willing to go to make peace with you? He would humble himself to a manger. He would humble himself to a cross. And the king of all creation, the king who breathed the very breath of life into man, willingly gave up his last breath so that you could be at peace with him. You want to know what peace is? Peace is when that fear is replaced with joy because you understand that the God who's communicating with you in love by sending his son wants to be at peace. You at peace this morning? You can be. By simply calling out the name of Christ by simply admitting everything you know to be true and that you live out and demonstrate every day that you're a sinner and you're lost on your own, you can't do anything about it. But God loved you and he sent his son Jesus Christ for you. So that if you would repent and call on the name of Jesus Christ, you'd be saved. That's peace. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your love your gracious kindness. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you that your faithfulness is truly new every day. God, I thank you that in Christ we can have peace. I thank you that the message that was shared with the shepherds that day is the same message that is shared with us today. The good news that was good news that day is the good news of today. That Jesus Christ came to save sinners, that he came to rescue us, to set us free. And God, I do. I pray for the one who might be here who's wrestling in their heart with with if they know you or not, would today be the day they bow their knee and they yield to you. Father, I ask that as we continue to worship you in song, that we'd simply be reminded of the cost. We'd be reminded of how far you were willing to go. We thank you, Father, for loving us and sending Jesus Christ. It's in his good name I pray. Amen.